0: Welcome to Jojo's World. Good morning, fellow travellers. Hail and well met. <laughs> How doth be be? Greetings. Welcome to my tavern. Salutations and take a Watch seat. Watch out for the dark elf in the back corner. He bites. That is very racist. That is. <laughs> I mean, dark elves are kind of racist in general. That's they been, are, a yeah, frank. yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm Liam S. Smith, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Nick Ballantyne, the other one of the co-hosts. Today we watched the uh, 26th episode of Stardust Crusaders and twenty mm-hmm. uh, and second episode of Battle in Egypt uh-huh, yep. entitled Iggy the Fool and Gebs N'Doul Part 2. Nice. Covers chapters 186 through 189 of the manga. How exciting. Yeah. It's almost like every single week is the, almost the same number of chapters. But then plus three. Ooh. Wow, what a transition. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing really well today. So Nick... What did you think about this episode? I liked it. Yeah? It had um, it had a good fight. A lot of rising action. Yeah. A post credit scene that we almost missed. I mean, all, well, we did miss it. We did it, miss, and then we had to go back and watch it. Yeah. Nothing important. Don't worry. Nothing important at all. Just, yeah. you know, the nothing new characters. At yeah. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Yeah, no, it had, um, it was a good, like, logic battle where, you know, the guy obviously wasn't that powerful, so they had to out-logic him. I mean, he was that powerful. That was the thing. No, but I mean, in the sense that he himself wasn't that powerful because he's blind. But wow, Nick! Hey, hey! Look, <laughs> the whole thing was that he was so powerful that they had to—they had to trick him. It's true; they did have to trick him. Yeah, but you know, you have like Iggy, who's kind of against them at the same time, and you're like, God damn! Yeah, it. he's a rogue element. Yeah. So it's a nice little like. There's, a l- there's mix a l- of things. There's a lot up up in the mix. A lot of yeah. chaos going on. A lot of dog v blind man action. <laughs> it's a tale as old as time. Well, all too often you see dog and blind man. Working together. But what happens when the tables are turned? <laughs> I was thinking while we were watching it, as as you raised the fact that Iggy is kind of a, a wild card who kind of betrays them a couple of times in this episode. I was yep. thinking about how when we were reading his uh, Jojonium note yesterday, hmm. that was this whole screed about how, I feel like if it was a cat, a cat would probably betray them at some point. Then, mean, then one episode later, it's just, Iggy Iggy's betraying them the whole time. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Iggy the traitor. Nick, I want to share with you the first author's note from Stardust Creators. Ooh. Which, as we remember last week, we read the mad order. Totally didn't do. <laughs> In this book, a new ability called Stans is introduced. What's a stand? Stands... Oh, well, I'm glad you asked. Oh. oh, okay, yeah. Stands are psychic powers given a visible form and shape. Oh. Traditionally, these kinds of powers were shown with light and electrical effects or after effects like crumbling buildings. I asked myself, how can I express this invisible power? That's when I came up with stands. <laughs> now, let's begin a new adventure with Jotaro and his friends. That is excessively happy. That's excessively straightforward, given yeah. what we've become accustomed to. <laughs> You know, sometimes I wonder if the universe will implode in on itself. Hmm. Anyway, I had to draw this thing where I the universe can come imploded. up with a sort of special power. So here's how I did it. I went to Egypt. <laughs> Long-winded explanation about Egyptian customs I went to later. Egypt and I met this little kid. And I was like, can I read your manga? And he was like, sure. And then I died. I was flown out of my bus. <laughs> anyway, we'll get to that. Yeah. Was that maybe a proxy for Araki? I doubt it. Oh, okay. Self-parody, maybe? Yeah. We'll get to that. Yeah. So, they're all flying off the dune buggy, if you recall, from last time. Oh, shit. Iggy's sleeping on the sand, and they're all like, No, watch out for the sand. I mean, watch out for the damn yeah. sand. And they all hit the ground, and uh, we get some recap. where N- N- the Great Ndule, four kilometres to the west or whatever. Yeah, uh, really far away. Recaps that he's like, I can hear them through the vibrations in the sand. I know where they all are. What an asshole! Like, what an asshole! <laughs> I mean, you know, he's got a skill and he's using it. Yeah, but still there was a point where you remarked this is basically just Daredevil now yeah it got to the well that happens later when he starts flinging sand around but we'll get to that where it just turns into Daredevil in the rain I uh, from the TV series no 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 oh, or from the movie or so, from okay. the cartoons okay hang on side note so uh, there's a bit where Daredevil whenever it rains he can hear everything because <laughs> okay sure Cause it's because like- of his magic exactly because of his sonar magic Um, I think it was in the really shitty movie where they did that um, and then in this one You've got sand flinging I would have thought if thought The rain would have been Like a sort of Sensory overload Or, or too so. much interference In the way You'd think so Wouldn't you Because yeah. It's rain It's like it's everywhere At the same time And it muffles sound Yeah huh. It was not a good film But I mean Daredevil can like, He can For all intents and purposes See shapes Yes He is kind of like A god in human form And a lawyer Great Alright <laughs> anyway We're getting off track on this show, never. <laughs> Get out of here. And it was like, too late. I know where each of you fell. And we see um, his stand, which we later learn is called Geb, and we will call Geb for simplicity's sake, Yep. Uh, sinks into the sand. They're like, oh no, where is it? What are we going to do? Now, our man Avdol has himself a clever idea here. I was like, ooh, that's smart. Yeah. He has somehow figured out that... Oh, because of the, the thing with the watch from last time. Yep. He's figured out that they're being tracked by their sound... Mm-hmm. So he takes off all these metal rings he has on his clothing, and he just starts throwing them. I into notice that since he came back from the dead, he has like a weird metal codpiece on his pants. Wait, what? No a codpiece, but like a um, like around. And you the are sort- gesturing around the sort of huge... groin area of his trousers. That's he has a large like this codpiece. This sort of weird metal. What? What? Armor. He's come back from the dead with He's a like, vengeance. No one's gonna kick me in the groin. I <laughs> I knew what my weakness was from being shot in the head. My crotch. Yeah. Never again. <laughs> anyway, so he takes off all his metal rings and he throws them one by one into the sand. And we see from indoor's uh, perspective, and him visualizing everything where he thinks they are footsteps. His sick daredevil vision. He's like, ha! Huh, five footsteps. Clearly, someone's tip trying to tiptoe away. And then Avdo is like, tisk tisk. So his plan is like, as soon as you show yourself, magician's red will engulf you in flames. Accursed water stand. I mean, I've seen enough Pokemon to know that fire does not beat water. Yeah. Unless you're Ash. I mean, to be fair, Avdol has a lot of fire, and Geb is a comparatively small amount of water. So you're saying that he just turned to steam? Yeah, just burned it all away and then they would just find they would just find Geb's clothes for kilometers uh, Angel's <laughs> clothes for kilometers to the West and Ashes. Wait, wow, these clothes have been perfectly dry cleans. <laughs> A little tag, Avdol dry cleaning. <laughs> then the OP happens. Still pretty hype? It is exceptionally hype. Any new observations? Okay, so I counted the number of pendulum swings. Yep. There are six. Right. Now, there are seven men and women who walked nine. out of Nine. Nine men and women who walked out of that place. Mm-hmm. However... I did notice that some of the swings had two people Yeah, in them. and as we see at the end of this episode, it looks There's... like we're setting up a sort of double whammy yeah. next time. Which I'm hella keen for. Uh, yes, and the silhouettes that are going across in that sequence, as we can discuss now, are sort of inspired by sort of Egyptian iconography, uh, specifically yeah. depictions of, or what I, what I would imagine are depictions of... The gods. Yeah. In, one, gods. in one form or another, I would assume. Yep. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool because you can't really outwardly tell what it is. Like, yeah, it's what? something what? that makes a lot of sense. Like, you can sort of hazard a guess at what's going on, but until, you know, the whole god thing's been brought up, it's yeah. not something you're really going to pick yeah. up on the two times you see it. When I was looking, at, I was like, surely it's a stand user, but they yeah. look really weird and not human. <laughs> There's that cool bit where it goes like, ha, 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 and they all slide into frame and the stands <laughs> come out. And they all just, like, stand there, ever so manly, lee, lee, lee. Yeah, that came out exactly as I intended. Mm-hmm. I think the other, like, really hype bit is the bit where um it, like, has them come out and then it goes to either black or white or, like, one colour or another colour in, yep. like, high contrast and, like, a whole bunch of lines just show Oh, it. yeah, so he does them, like, one by one yeah. and then, like, these jagged lines impinge on the... Yeah. And so, my favourite thing... a good thing, sequence. My favourite thing is that the other guys all have, like, a whole lot of lines around them and then Joseph's is him going, huh? And then one line. What yeah, could like, that mean? Maybe he's only got one year left to live. Ooh. Ooh. Jotaro has like a thousand because he's... Yeah, he, he is that covered one. <laughs> by them. Yeah, I don't know. What could the lines mean? Could it be foreshadowing? I mean, given the way these OPs usually go, probably. <laughs> there's probably Could some... it just be some stupid bullshit? Either way, I'm keen to find out. <laughs> there's another cool bit that uh, I just want to highlight now before you have a chance to remember its significance. Uh, there's any. <laughs> right. There's an interesting bit where they're all standing on the staircase, uh, like a staircase that's Jotaro's at the lower end of it and he's the furthest away from us. Yeah. And we sort of pan past all of them to him just before Star Platinum comes out. With like all the red stuff that pops up. In well, exactly. Game. Yes. There's a lot of weird yeah. distortion happening um, yeah. amongst the credits and stuff mm. in that sequence. And that's something that is cool and is a sort of a foreshadowy reference to some stuff that happens later. How? Okay. All right. It'll make sense. All right. Just trust me on this. There's a, lot, there's a lot going on in this particular OP, and a lot of it is not going to be really directly explicable until basically the very end. Oh, Jesus, so okay. there's a lot going on, basically. So once you meet Dio, everything will make sense, and not a moment before. At this point, we got an ad for a show called Akashic Records of Bastard Magic Instructor. <laughs> what a fucking name. These anime titles are getting... <laughs> Getting really heady. The anime titles. The, yeah, giant, a, giant anime crap. Oh man, dude! Like we need to watch that show just for the name alone. Do we? I mean, yeah, maybe. I don't know. So, Magician's Red comes on out, and he's like, "I'm gonna get him. Happy this is gonna, always. this is gonna be sick." Yeah. And he starts doing this like elaborate fire punch. <laughs> Where we, we we sort of track the back of his fist such that, that it looks like he's doing some sort of rocket punch, and for a minute I was like, "Did he launch off his fist with a trail of fire behind it, <laughs> or was he doing some sort of um? Oh, he's that guy in Street Fighter. Oh, Ryu or Ken? Dalsum. Dalsum. Right, where Dalsam. he does the stretch punch. Oh, the stretch. Is he doing punch. some sort of fire stretch punch? <laughs> but no, he's just he's like doing a swoop, just a mad swoop. But then we see. N'Doul has a realisation and we see his mental image of the whole situation reform and retrace those five steps as he realises. wait, why did he stop walking? Well, if he stopped walking, maybe he never even started. And then the body kind of fades out and then fades yeah, back in. Yeah, and then there's a very quick action sequence where this goop of water dodges uh, Magician's Red's punch and Avdol gets a huge neck wound. Pretty substantial, apparently. Yeah. He's basically out for the count for the rest of the episode. Yeah, so that's Cacuin and Avdol yeah. are now down. You can't fault Indul for his efficiency. Yeah. I mean, he is great, so... Yeah. There is that. Oh, and back with Indul, he's like, Oh, my bicep has been burnt. That must have been Avdol. <laughs> well, better kill him now. After being singed. And he goes to, and he's rearing up again like he does so many times over the course of these two episodes. He's got his clawed hand made of water. Which is eerily goopy sounding. Like, I mean, it is made of water. I mean, oh, I, uh, the sound of it, though, is like... Uh, it's like lapping water mixed with, like, alien spit. Syrup. Ugh. Oh, yeah. It's very awkward. This is my stand. It's made of maple syrup. Hey, come here. Let me let me eat your stand. Sticky and delicious, but also deadly. Yeah, no, I don't care. Let me eat you. That's it. That's all I care about. Make sure you eat it, eat it before it eats you. Anyway, um... <laughs> I'm still willing Jotaro to- Jotaro starts running into the desert, <laughs> <laughs> and this distracts him from killing Avdol, and he's like, "Ha! Huh, someone's running. I can tell by the length of their stride, that they're 195 centimetres tall. It can't be Joestar, so it has to be Jotaro. Now, three things that I have a problem with here. Mm-hmm. One, why did Jotaro just start running and he doesn't murder Avdol immediately? Jodoro started running. He's like, "Oh, I know where Jodoro is." He's got to protect himself, I guess. If someone's up to something, he needs to. He needs to keep the situation. It's like in a Friday the Thirteenth, the video game. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you might be. You might be tracking someone. You might be getting close to a good kill. Mm-hmm. But then, if you get an audio cue, or if they just tell you because they're a dick that someone else is making progress on one of the objectives, you got to leave that person and go and block them from making objective process <laughs> So that you are minimizing overall chances of escape. Yep. Yeah. This is assuming you're playing Jason. Yes. Yeah? Okay. Because if you're playing the survivors and you're minimizing getting away, <laughs> well, then you're just being a Chad. A Chad? <laughs> yeah. He's is... the douchey one. Doesn't he immediately die? Yeah, I don't think he's in any of the movies. Oh, okay. All right. Never mind. Goddamn. Brutal. Yeah. Brutal. Poor Chad. Nah, he's a dick. Oh, okay, never mind. Fuck chat. He's like the um, douchey ascot-wearing rich kid. Oh, that kind of douche. Yeah. I was thinking he would be the one that's like, I don't need any of your help. He'd like be the no, real. He's, he's like he's like the sort of my dad owns this yeah. lake sort of yeah. guy. And then you know he runs out, runs over three people driving away. He's like, oh well, my dad can take care of it. We have lawyers. Yeah. Like, you asshole. I'll sue Jason for all he's worth. <laughs> I'll take that tiny shack he lives in and build a parking structure on it. And he did. And, and he did. Jason was never heard from again. He was never seen of again. But Mando, the car attacker, <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. You if, okay? If Jason is there because it's a camp. You know, if only there was. If only there was like some sort of established horror movie villain that was a car. <laughs> is there? Is there yeah. one? What? Remember Wheel of Fortune? How were we talking about Christine? Oh yeah! Shit. Nah, I like Mando. Also Megatron. Yeah. yeah, Megatron is pretty horrific when you think but it. But he out. turns into a gun in most variations. Or a tank. I thought he turned into a plane. That's in the, you know, the the movies. Oh, uh, okay. Which, you know, sense. are atypical in terms of Megatron. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I am anyway. Starscream. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so uh, Jotaro runs into the desert. And th- that's right. The reason that he stops going for Avdol is actually explained. And in his internal monologue is like... Ha, huh, that's Jotaro. Star Platinum is the most challenging of the stands. If I defeat him, Lord DIO will reward me handsomely. He's so handsome. Is that explaining why he's ignoring Avdol now, though? Well, yeah, he's saying that Jodoro's is a priority because he's got a really tough stand that can smash up diamonds and bullshit. Okay. And can inhale whoever it wants and can shoot its fingers like a gun. (laughs) So, basically, this guy's a wild card and you need to stop him while you have the chance while he develops new and terrifying powers. His stoic face hides a deadly facade. Jodoro runs at Iggy and Iggy's like, and Jodoro picks him up and keeps running. Now, at first I thought this was super dumb. <laughs> and Dill's like, he just picked something up. What What thing was there? No, not a thing. It was the dog. It would be so much better if it's like, it's not a thing. It's a who. And then it just zooms in on his yeah. face. And then it goes into the, a tiny speck of sand. And we got a whole sort of Horton, here's a who situation. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a reflection of all these guys. But then Iggy's face is there going, ha, ha, ha. And then it's oh, just... Oh, Iggy. Oh, Iggy. He's so goofy in this episode. It's okay, so at first I thought it was dumb that he just grab him, but then as we go on, he gets more and more like grabbable. Yeah. Where you're just like, Yeah, I understand why Johra would grab him now. Yeah. He sort of slams it choke slams him into the ground. <laughs> yeah, well you have to. He's a dog. he Holds him down by his neck. Yeah, he makes him smell his own poop and he's like, Don't do it again. <laughs> Listen here, you little shit. That, apparently right? that doesn't work and it just teaches dogs to be ashamed of their bodily movements, they're more inclined to try to hold it in and that just makes leads to them having accidents. Not healthy toilet training procedure. What? So, okay, so you're telling me, with absolutely no sarcasm, that if I were to choke a dog—not the slam choking, them but the into- making them smell their own poop. Oh, okay. So I can still choke the dog then. <sighs> <laughs> so he's like, "I know you can smell him. Help me out, Iggy. Come on." And he's holding him down, and Iggy's struggling. And he's like, "Or oh, you'll die too when he comes and gets us. And I'm not going to give you any gum." Now Iggy, Iggy's a bit put out by this. So what he yeah. does is he makes this big old sandstorm. And uh, Jotaro seems very distracted by the sandstorm in the sense that he looks up. Yeah. And all that all he needed was that split second of distraction to swap himself out with a sand duplicate <laughs> without Jotaro noticing until he looks back down. What? And Iggy is in the sky and the fool is properly manifest and it's got wings now because it can fly. Turns uh, out. Uh, what? Yeah. Oh. Just a big, big old... Wings made out of sand. Car dog robot made of sand that can fly. I mean, fuck me. That, that's impressive. Yeah, but it's all for naught because the sand duplicate gets smashed by Geb and Jotaro just grabs onto Iggy with Star Platinum and is like, hey, I'm coming too. If you try to resist, I'll snap your neck. Star Platinum's really fast, bro. And this is where we learn that Iggy can apparently speak English slash Japanese because when Jotaro threatens him, he yelps in fear. <laughs> Now, hang on, you were saying he can speak, but no, I, I, I comprehend. Oh right, yeah, true. Although I, I, thought it did sound when he was having his moment with Jodaro at the end of the episode, hmm. when he is, it looks like he's going to be doing something nice. It sounds, it like sounds, he sounds says like he's saying Iggy. Iggy. Yeah, Iggy. <laughs> oh, okay, you're a Pokemon. <laughs> so we now know that he's a Pokemon because he only knows how to say his own name yep. in English. Iggy, Slash... Iggy, Iggy. But what does the stand say? That is the real question. What does the stand say? I mean, the other ones don't talk either, except for bad guy ones. (laughs) No, I think we all know that the reason they don't talk is because they're trying to act cool. Star Platinum yelled in this episode, but we'll get to that in due course. Oh, God, so good. (laughs) So they're flying, and everyone's like, look, he's floating. That means that this guy can't detect him through his footsteps. And everyone's like, oh... That explains so much. And until was like, why have his footsteps st- footsteps stopped? Uh, well, a uh, pretty easy explanation would be that they're flying. Yeah, but he doesn't come to that conclusion for a long time. But they're slowly losing altitude because they're just gliding. They're not flying per uh, se. Of course. I don't know how we got that initial height. <laughs> uh, obviously, Iggy just jumped. Yeah, he's got mad ups. Yeah, with his hind legs. There's nothing in the rulebook that says a Boston Terrier can't play basketball <laughs> with sand powers. <laughs> love if that was like someone tried to come and was like look we need five players but one of them oh man is stand battle basketball games would make f- for a great little arc dude dude yes <laughs> there are a couple of things in the future that sort of approach that sort of thing but nothing that sort of elaborate oh damn it my friend ryan tried to get me to watch a basketball anime where people have special basketball powers special basketball powers yeah like my special basketball powers that i'm really good at dunking My special basketball power is that I'm really good at stealing the ball when you have it. And, like, they get in the zone and their eyes flash and they leave trails of light behind them. Oh, dude. Oh, dude. He liked it. I think it sounds bad. See, I wanted to make an anime where it was, like, delivery guys in a district. And so they all have different powers regard. They're like Uber Eats workers. Exactly. So they're all delivery guys who are hired by contract or something because there's so much work in one area. And each of them is like, I have to wear glasses because I don't have good eyesight. But it gives me the best vision of all. Like, you know, weird shit like that. Yep. I can see all the turn signals I need to. My god, how's this vision so good? (gasps) It must be those glasses he's wearing. That sounds... stupid. I know, but amazingly stupid. Turns out anime is really easy to write about. Yeah, just like, normal thing, but with a crazy gimmick. Yeah, and you just go, Oh, so we just make that into excess for one character with one skill. Gotcha. That's all you have to do. It's like how Initial D is like, he has this car, which is only good at this one thing, apparently. So don't let him do that one thing and you'll win the race. And like, gotcha. But is my car Gosh, good? Well, there was this cartoon, this anime cartoon, and I remember being on Cheese TV when we were younger. Hmm. Uh, it was called... It was like a bait. It was a Bay like um, Excellent. It's called Crush Gear. Crush Gear? Yeah, where they had like little cars, and they'd just put them in an arena, and the cars fought each other. And there was this whole arc uh, about how... The guy unlocked this special technique where, if he did some sort of special twirl when he threw his car in the arena, it would just fly and do a lap of the arena and then summon some sort of phoenix and destroy the opposing car. So he would just win every match right as they started. I'm pretty sure that's just Beyblades. It was basically just Beyblades, but not. But with toy cars. Not toy cars per se, but like. Remote control cars. No, they weren't remote controls. Uh, They were like. Real toy cars. It was like how you would control a Beyblade by gesturing and yelling, and it would do some (laughs) elaborate tricks. (laughs) Come on, Beyblade, go left. Phoenix comes out. It's like, no, go left. Yeah, pretty much. I'll I'll work with that. (laughs) Yeah, okay. I didn't know it could do that. Let's go with this. (laughs) And then like, he started relying too heavily on his special instant win technique because why wouldn't you? And then his his special car fell apart and he had to get a new one that was better or something. And he was like, this one can only do the special thing three times before it breaks. I need to ration them. (laughs) I've got three bullets. One of them's Don't know why I remember so much about this show. I'm pretty sure it was usually... On as I was leaving to go to school. (laughs) So, I need to look this up right now. Crash gear. Crush, I think. Crush gear. Hang on. It was no metabots, let me tell you that much. Oh, metabots. What a show. I have a MetaBox game. Remember how there was... I had one on the Game Boy, I think. Remember how there was that weird, like...
1: (gasps) Oh my god, I remember
0: this. Bondage team rocket. Oh my god, I remember this. Oh my god. And he had the... It's all coming back. (laughs) Oh my god. It was so dumb. I remember this now. Oh, wow. It's a real thing. It's actually a real thing. Why are we talking about this again? Um, because... Oh, because they are flying. Yeah, they're flying. Um, yep. (laughs) And he's like, oh, we're flying, but we're not flying enough. We're losing altitude. I need to use star platinum and kick, but that will give us away. But I'm going to do it anyway. So he does. He does a cool, like star platinum enhanced kick with his own leg you know we've talked about this before I like that stuff when it's used very sparingly Mm. and then he immediately uses his special star platinum vision to see like oh I see that guy he's 400 metres that way keep going Iggy I just like the idea that Iggy is actually going to keep going oh and there was this weird bit where it's like Iggy you're straining so much when you're gliding that you're farting stop that (laughs) Now, see, he is a very vulgar dog. He is. He's a bit vulgar. But what dog farts while flying out of stress that much? I don't know how stands work. Uh, neither do I. A lot of physical exertion in summoning a st- sand hang glider. <laughs> a sand stand. Yeah. Uh, also, as soon as Jotaro kicks off, like Geb shoots out and starts coming after them like a sand worm. <gasps> oh, no. But does that mean that he can fly? No. Okay, we're good. He like He's like, he does like... Uh, dive. reverse dive bomb. Yeah, reverse dive bomb. He arcs out of the sand yeah. like a shy Halud in he, heat. That's a Dune reference. Ah, uh, I, I thought so. Yeah. I'm uh, not, not great with Dune, as I think we've discussed. Neither am I. Uh, and, you know, then it's just pursuing them because it's like, I know vaguely where they are, but not enough to attack them. But then, is like, huh? What's this? Oh no, sand is falling off the Fool and onto me. <gasps> what? What? But that means that it's all the little droplets of sand slowly dissolving. Oh! And until was like, I can hear all that sand. This is when I thought it basically became dead. Yeah. I even know how high you are, Jotaro. And then he attacks them and smashes a hole in the fool's wings, and Jotaro tries to block it, but he can't. And he's like, "If you don't know where I'm coming from, it doesn't matter that you're faster than me. I'm still faster than you, asshole." utter arsehole <laughs> I want uh, I, they didn't make it explicit but I, I would like to think it's a factor of the fact that they were getting closer That then he became able to hear the, the sand falling see I imagine that's half of it that because before he couldn't hear anything above the ground but now he's flinging sand up so oh, I thought the sand was just coming off of the fall no, I thought it was he was made of sand no I thought he was throwing it up so because he can't hear them he's like well he oh, certainly I'm wasn't f- throwing it up where he was because it wouldn't reach them <laughs> Thought... His stand may have been stirring some up, perhaps. Yeah, that's what I thought was going on. He was like, the stand's underneath, and he's throwing sand up so that when it like okay, I was off... taking notes in that part pretty rapidly, so I may have missed something like All that, right. but I just assumed the fool was, you know, had some attrition. <laughs> some attrition? Yeah. yeah. It's like siege warfare, but in the air. Not really. Never mind. Iggy looks down at Jotaro, and get a close-up on Jotaro reflected in Iggy's eye, and Iggy's like, I'm going to forget about the fact that he said he was going to murder me, and I'm going to try to murder him. So he does. He starts lowering his glide such that Jotaro's knees are scraping along the desert sands and he's like, now you know exactly where he is, and kill him. Obviously, this is all implied. Yeah. What might be happening is, oh god, I need to fart so bad. <laughs> sure. But we don't know. I really have got to take a deuce. <laughs> oh no. So, um... He and then like, huh, you are such a selfish dog as an ally. So Jotaro, in the only logical move that can be made here... Throws well, Iggy. He, he doesn't just throw him. He, Star Platinum grabs him and then rears up in like a formal baseball pitch. So formal? Yeah, like his, he does his, full splits. Full 180. I point. mean, exaggerated, but he's definitely doing like an anime baseball stance. That is true, yeah. And I think it's quite a cool shot as well, because then we see the fool just straight up collapsing into pillars of sand behind <laughs> while this is going on. And Iggy is just flung. Just hurls that dog like a baseball. Right at Indul and Indul's like, I can hear something coming my way. What could it be? <laughs> oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I need to use my water stand to defend myself, or we'll collide. And so, there's a cool shot where Geb and the fool clash with each other and they're both basically just flung clear. As, it's amazing. And uh Indul's stick is, special stick is knocked away. And it's like, <laughs> oh no, I don't have my special stick i better quickly grab it before anyone notices. Oh no, I was so busy with the dog, I lost track of Jotaro. Where could he be? Spoiler alert, he's right behind me. What? There's, there's great shots of him he's like, where is he? He's not moving. He must be waiting for his moment. And then the camera slowly pans around and up and we just see him standing right behind him. Who's been kneeling this whole time? And he looks fucking <laughs> pissed. He's like, I see you're a blind guy. <laughs> you know, if you weren't blind. He literally says, I'm right behind you. Oh, he does, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he thinks that actually. As a matter of fact, a lot of moments in this episode where people are just thinking and it's being communicated. Because if you recall, right at the start when they all landed on the sand, yeah, Abdel is wordlessly, without his mouth ma- moving, his mouth possibly internally monologuing and just communicating like via body language, being like, "Don't move." He can't see us if we don't move. So no one moves. And now Jader always like, "I'm right behind you," and then and he's right behind. Geb detects where he is because he's casting a shadow, and in that shadow it's cooler than the rest of the desert sand. Ah, that makes sense. There's a whole... We get into a a relatively cool little like quick-draw battle here, Hmm. um, where we just start entering this elaborate sequence of of cuts where we see Jotaro breathing and his shoulders are going up and down, and then Geb is just sitting perfectly still, and then Iggy is on his belly with his paws over his head and his ears, increasingly freaking out, going like... (sighs) Just <sighs> having a full-on panic attack. Well, he knows what's happening. He knows what's going on. And Dool slowly lets his, uh, his, his cane fall. And we just get shot after shot of Jotaro breathing. And Dool sitting there, Iggy panicking. cane slowly falling. And that repeats like three times. Each time Iggy is looking more and more stressed yeah. out. He starts grinding his teeth at one point. Mm-hmm. Like, uh. And, you know, as as usually happens in these sort of... it's I'd say it's... These things are both roughly equivalent in terms of storytelling, so I, you know, reasonable that I'm drawing a comparison to both of them. But it reminds me of both, like, a Western quick-draw thing, mm-hmm. and also, um, like, a, a samurai sword battle, you know, when they yeah. you only draw it and then you sheath it immediately. Yeah. Uh, it's like and run past each other. In terms of cinema, I think Westerns were often quite influenced by samurai movies, so that makes sense. Yeah. That seems alright. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of those classic samurai Western showdowns. Samurai Sam versus... Uh, Japanese not cowboy man Clint Eastwood ripoff are you, man Are you okay? I don't know anymore <laughs> Well isn't Jotaro kind of sort of based off Clint Eastwood? Oh what? I see what you're getting at yeah, now right. yeah. <laughs> So you've got Samurai Sam aka Egyptian man Versus Clint Eastwood aka Japanese man Sure okay There you go Eventually this cane hits the floor and then everything kicks off Jotaro sends out Star Platinum out of his pod, And all the water that had pulled around in dual rears up and we've sort of followed... We initially sort of follow the water claw of yep. Geb as it's rushing towards Star Platinum who sort of dances around it and just punches and right in the guts. Raw in the kisser. Just fuck him up. Just so hard that he just flings And then we get a trailing shot of the claw arcing wide and striking off Jotaro's hat. <gasps> Ooh. Oh, we finally see his massive bald spot. <laughs> hey. This isn't this isn't my bold spot. You you made this. Let's <laughs> let's keep that. Yeah, don't tell anyone. This is or else you and me. So he's like, you knocked off my hat. Even the ocean couldn't do that. Now before he said that, I never noticed that. <laughs> like the entire time they were underwater, I was like, oh yeah, it's just Jodoro. But now that he said it, that does seem odd, doesn't it? <laughs> and I think that's also meant to be kind of not only because obviously the ocean would knock your hat off, but the fact that. It's a water-based stand. Make that makes that even more of an apt analogy. Yeah, yeah. In the middle of the desert too. Yeah, I really like your Stand, Andoal. It's made of water, which, as we all know, is transparent, it's and my that's favorite my favorite color. color. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. I kind of wish I had that. Do you want to trade? <laughs> <laughs> it's like Star Platinum is kind of transparent. That that transparent. There so we go. Jotaro is like, you were a worthy opponent. I didn't critically injure you, and then Undul kills himself. <laughs> Literally shoves. Uh, Geb right through his head. Yep, and yet somehow is still alive. It's like uh, you know in Assassin's Creed when you leap off a building and then stab someone, then it cuts to a white void so they can have their last uh, monologue. Yes, yeah, it's just like that. Yeah, except there's no white void. We're not in the just animus. the uh, yellow sandy void of the desert, <laughs> and the piercing blue sky of the Egyptian sun wasteland. W- <laughs> wasteland. <laughs> I'm I mean, sorry. they're in a bit of a wasteland at the moment. There's just nothing but sandy desert as far as the eye can see. Yeah, desert, not they wasteland. They haven't reached the fertile banks of the Nile that make habitation feasible. A wasteland is like fucking fallout where everything's dead and unusable. This is a desert. This is just I, sand. That's all dead and unusable. Yeah, but it's not wasteland. Nothing in there but the bleached bones of animals and weary travellers like yourself who are less fortunate. See, oil. Oil's there. <laughs> There's oil in them there, Hills. There's oil in those dunes, boy. Anywho, endures uh, in his dying monologue like, You might interrogate me and learn about the other eight stand users. Here's all the information I have about the other eight stand users. <laughs> Right? He, he kills himself, but they can't tell him. He, do, so he doesn't have to tell them anything. And then he's like, you beat me. So I'm going to tell you just a little bit. Yes, you only get a small amount. The bit that I'm... I'm gonna... killing myself because we all know Hermit Purple can read minds. So. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? It, what? It can read minds? I mean, that's kind of what they were going to do with Enya when they captured her. Yeah. Uh, They were going to hook her up to a TV with Hermit Purple to try to get some clues. But... I think we all know Hermit Purple's not really that sort of accurate. I mean, yeah. But, like, at the same time, it can read minds? Did we ever do this before this moment here? I mean, they'd planned to, is what I'm saying, but they, you know, Dan of Steel killed Daniel. Yeah, but, like, we never really elaborated on, oh, yeah, it can definitely read minds. It, in a very literal sense, showed us the contents of Joseph's brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that is true, yeah. Where it's just... Going inside his head. It would have been cool if, in Death 13, as a a potential alternate resolution, if uh, Joseph was like, we've knocked out Calcubin because he's going nuts. I'm going to go into... I'm going to read his mind with Hermit Purple to see, like, why he's gone so nuts. And then he did that, and it was like, this baby stands trying to kill us in our dreams. I wonder if, like... He needs a TV or something to actually do it, though. I mean, he's always needed a medium in other circumstances. So does that mean that in order to see into people's minds, he would always carry around a spare TV with (laughs) him? Sure. That's what that means. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, it's the only way. It's the only way to get it done. Why are you so loyal to Dio? You know, I never feared death. Okay, this is Going Places. My Stan's power was pretty cool. I've had it since childhood. No one wanted to fuck with me. I could commit any crimes and defeat any enemy. Fuck the police. Could you commit the crime of only doing legal activities? No. The dog gets it. Ooh. And then the dog never fear he's death. still freaking out. <laughs> he's just having me like... Ah. Dio was the first and only person to scare me. He was powerful, deep, large, and beautiful. Those are all words I'd use to describe him. Yeah. From what what I've seen so far. He's got a dangerous sensuality that even I could see, even though I'm blind. Wow. He was the first person to acknowledge my worth. I really need to sort of get some self-esteem going on. You have not learned the true crime of self-respect. I still don't fear death. That's why I'm killing myself. But I do fear that Dio might cast me aside. My evil needed an evil saviour. Anywho, so there are these nine Egyptian gods. Uh, They're sort of the origin point for the tarot. Mine was Geb. That's the god of the earth. Pretty cool, right? And now... I I die. die. (laughs) And all those death, that death mist comes off his body. (laughs) Death mist. You know, his soul departs his body. It's clearly death steam. If you recall, there's a long history of that way back to when uh, George Senior died. He started giving off that, uh, the death steam. Fumes. (laughs) The fumes of putridity. So he says, let's talk a bit about Geb, Ndul, the Tarot, and the Egyptian gods. Yeah. I'm interested to know about all these Egyptian gods now because I know a little bit about Egyptian gods but I don't know the Egyptian gods. I've, Planning to do some very base-level Egyptology for this arc, by which I mean I'm going to skim some Wikipedia pages. Good, good. But before we get into that proper, let's talk first about Geb and ndul Let's. Oh, and also uh, the replacement segment for Tarot Time should of course be called Oh My Gosh! <laughs> is this purely because of Joseph? Or is there another reason? And also because gods. Oh uh, yeah, true, gods. <laughs> I am doing so well... I heard about someone drowning from a cup of water in a wash basin and thought it would be cool to have someone drown in a desert. And Duel was based off Zatoichi. In my mind, Zatoichi is just a scary guy rather than the hero. What is Zatoichi? The blind swordsman. We were talking about oh, earlier Zatouchi, today. Oh, Zatoichi, the blind swordsman. I think that's how you pronounce it. How's it spelled? Uh, Zatoichi. Huh. Zatoichi? Ah, maybe it's Zatoichi. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Maybe. Anyway, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. And there is a very obvious through line from, like, you know, the wandering Ronan in his design. You can definitely tell that he just has a cane. Could have a sword in it. Who just goes around doing stuff. Yeah. A vagabond, if you will. Vagabond. Nah, man. Vagabond. <laughs> so that's Geb and Undul. Not really much else to say about them, really. What you um, mean? What about Geb? Who's... I mean, we'll get to, we'll get, I mean, the stand and the guy. Oh, guarding. right. Yeah. 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 Uh, He's just a dude that's sort of based off Zatwichi. The, the killing yourself when you get defeated is a very sort of quintessentially samurai thing really as well. It really is, yeah. you got to commit seppuku and not be rejected by your clan. Yeah, you got to be honourable in defeat, by which I mean kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> there is no honour in life. Everyone knows that. you got to support the home team, even through death. <laughs> Especially through death. Especially in baseball. Uh, N'Doul is based off uh, Yusau Ndu. He's a... Uh, Senegalese singer, songwriter, composer, occasional actor, businessman, and politician. Quite a jack of all trades. So, where is Senegal? Senegal. Senegal. Africa, I think. Okay, yep. Is it near Egypt? I don't know, man. I'm the (laughs) geographer. Geographer. In 2004, Rolling Stone magazine described him as perhaps the most famous singer alive in Senegal and much of Africa. Oh. And go. from uh, April 2012 through September 2013, he was Senegal's Minister of Tourism. Hey! He's kind of a Peter Garrett figure in that regard. Yeah, he kind of is. What a badass. Yeah. Good That's, on him. Yeah. what a dope I laden. don't know any of his work. <laughs> Neither do I. However, he's probably the most famous, you know, rapper, actor, guy. Singer-songwriter. Singer-songwriter in Africa. So there's that. Yeah, good on him. Uh, so I guess we should dive into the whole tarot... Egyptian god thing. Yeah, this is something that i briefly mentioned when we first started talking about tarot stands. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, which I learned in my research that, particularly with regard to the sort of fortune-telling aspect of the tarot, less sorry the um the physical cards that you know can be used for games and stuff, in addition yep. to mysticism. Yeah, it's often purported that they are um you can, they can trace their origins through to like ancient Egypt and stuff like that. But, uh, the old school stuff. Yeah, but uh, as this um, Wikipedia page uh, that I did some research into, it's the one on tarotology, mm-hmm. uh, notes that there's a distinct lack of evidence for this actually being the case. Oh, oh that's a... Oh. Quote, Despite this lack of any evidence, the belief that the tarot cards are linked to the Egyptian book of Toth, T-H-O-T-H, continues oh. in modern urban legend to the present day. The actual source of the Occult Tarot can be traced to two articles in Volume 8, one written by himself and one written by (laughs) M-L-E-C-D-E-M. Sure. Uh, in... Yeah, I was going to say, there needs to be a book here. Yeah, hang on. (laughs) Sorry, I I skimmed this before. Ah, a dissertation by, uh, Antoine Court de Gébelin. What? Antoine what? Antoine Court de Gébelin. A French clergyman. Uh, the author takes to on speculations even further agreeing with him about the mystical origins of the tarot in ancient Egypt but making several additional and influential statements that continue to influence mass understanding of the occult tarot to this day citation needed <laughs> so the guy he makes the first statement that the tarot is in fact in the book of Thoth makes the first statement that the tarot is associated with gypsies and that gypsies were roaming Egyptians so that's the whole like thing of racism that persists to this day too yep, yep. and makes the first association of tarot with cartomancy, cartomancy which I believe is the reading of cards oh so, so it's something that it really originates... From one dude. Or one dude, and people working off that one dude's work. Yeah. Uh, from... During the 18th century. I guess there's a sort of, like, whole 18th century colonialism aspect, where it's like, we're trying to make our new bullshit seem, like, exotic and spiritual. Let's just... Mm. Let's let's tell everyone it's from ancient Egypt. We're gonna make money from this. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it was just like Yu-Gi-Oh, where they, they patented it and... <laughs> Don't you know it comes from the exotic land of Egypt? I plundered a tomb in ancient Egypt and saw these ancient carvings about telling the future, and I was like, I'm going to make cards out of these. (laughs) If you get five of any one Egyptian god, you win. That's not quite (laughs) how that works. It is isn't my game. So, uh, Geb. Geb. Geb is the Egyptian god of the earth. Uh, He was a member of the Ennead of Heliopolis, which was a, a... a group of nine to a dozen gods, which aren't all exclusively the nine gods we're dealing with. Yep. Because there are a lot of Egyptian gods. Oh, right, it was nine. Yep. Nine deities. Geb, god of the earth, uh, associated with uh, geese, snakes, and bulls, and barley. Mhm. And barley? Barley. That's less cool. I don't know. You can make some pretty nice beer from some barley. That's true. Some barley wine. Some barley. Also, it orig- uh, has been translated as uh, Seb or Keb. Seb. Seb. Huh. But he's different from Set. Yeah. Yeah. He was, in fact, one of the uh, well, set was one of his offspring Oh! with Nut. Gotcha. There you Goes go. without saying that uh, pronunciation on these is going to be pretty hit on <laughs> this. We are like Stargate in that we have no idea how to pronounce any of these names. Yeah, what we did was we went through our Stargate and we we're like, oh, look at all this Egypt shit. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, seems, that makes sense, right? This seems awfully Egyptian, doesn't I it? I love that joke in Futurama where they go to the planet that's basically Egypt. Hmm. Uh, And it's like, oh, there were... like, There were a lot of theories in my time about the ancient Egyptians being visited by aliens. And he's like, yes, we learnt many things from the mighty Egyptians, such as pyramid building. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. His offspring include Osiris, Isis, Set, Nephthys, and sometimes Horus. Sometimes Horus. Hmm, okay. Uh, Yep, there's some weird fertility stuff. Oh, and his... uh, partner, or consort, as they put it, Net uh, Nut is the god of the sky, which makes sense. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah. If he's the god of the earth, why not uh, get with the god of the sky? Yeah. The Some old, Egyptologists like... have stated that Geb was associated with a mythological divine creator Goose who had laid a world egg from which the sun or the world had sprung. Makes this sense. theory is assumed to be incorrect oh. and a result of confusing the divine name Geb with that of a uh, white-fronted Goose, uh, also <laughs> called originally G.B., Praise the Almighty Goose that has birthed the world. This is kind of beyond the purview of our dumb amateur anime podcast. But goddamn, if it's not called. those sort of the way those sort of misunderstandings in archaeology develop is quite inter- and academia develop can be quite interesting. Mm-hmm. You sound like you've uh, you've witnessed it more than once. No, just. Just I, mean, I don't have any persists. other examples to draw. It's oh, just okay. the way, like, you know, one potentially influential person might make an incorrect observation and that propagates and... Yeah, true. Yeah. Like Freud in psychology. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, how people still think Freud was somehow right. Well, Freud is mostly only applicable still in, like, lit crit. Yeah, pretty much. And even then, it's like, see, he has an Oedipus complex. You're like, no, it's a... mm. stop. stop. Anywho, yeah. So that's that's more or less scared, but I think this is a segment that is going to get more refined the more we do it as well. Yeah. I learned to sort of... Like, draw patterns in what sort of things are important. See, there are gods. They're all gods. <laughs> oh. This all makes sense now. So, that guy dies. <laughs> he hella dies. Jotaro buries him. at sunset now. And he uses his cane as a grave marker. In the middle of the desert. And that's kind of something you see a lot in Shonen Anime. Where It's like, you sucked, but you are a worthy adversary. So I'm going to treat you with respect. Yeah. From what I've heard, it's something that gets like ludicrous in berserk really where it's like you kidnapped my girlfriend and raped and murdered all these villages but really you are an honorable warrior <laughs> so i respect you and you sort of saw shades of that slightly at least that sort of same character archetype with jonathan when he was fighting oh yeah. you know tarkas and yeah yeah bruford though less so with tarkas I, I mean fuck that guy right wait which one was tarkas the big guy the big guy what was his shtick? It was like... He was just big. That oh. was his thing. Yeah, he was never... big and he lured him into that cage with the, um... That cage oh, match with the chains. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was a worthy adversary. But he killed Zapelli, so fuck that guy. Yeah. Even though I redeemed the soul of his friend and, like, became best friends with him for a bit. It's fine. It's fine. He'll, you know, die. Well, he's dead already. And, of course, the most egregious aspect of that in JJBA is probably Joseph being like, ACDC did murder my trainer and also possess this innocent woman and get her to murder us and give her life-changing scars. And also, I love this woman. I'm going to marry her. But really, he was an honourable warrior. (laughs) (laughs) He just did what he needed to do for his people. He had a proud soul. He would stand proud if he was still alive. Anyway, fuck that guy. (laughs) Let's just murder the shit out of him. (laughs) So yeah, shonen storytelling. Mm. Sometimes a bit weird. Iggy comes up and Jotaro is like, I'm not mad at you. From my perspective, Gramps just dragged you out here and made you participate oh, in a God. fight and you didn't want to do it win. So, you know, that'd suck. Anyway, here's some gum. And Iggy runs away and he's like, well, whatever. Fuck, Fuck you, you, dog. Here I am apologising, humbling myself like <laughs> a guy that I never do. Here I am, laying my heart on the line for a dog and you run away? <laughs> he's like, well, whatever. Go die in the desert. See if I care. And then he hears like a, Iggy! <laughs> It's very weird how this happens. Yeah, and he brings back his hat. Oh. I was oh. Try, trying to get you to keep focusing on this and not freak out about the fact that you can see, like, his hair in the hat that's not on him. And I'm like, okay, but what? Just, just just go with it. Just roll with it. No, no, no. Because it's... You were like, but Nick, it's just all torn up from when he was attacked. And I was like, no. I didn't say from when he was attacked. It's just all torn up. Oh, Jesus it's like... Uh, yeah. It's quite some hat hair you got there, Jotaro. Yari, yare. Oh, you brought back my hat. I guess you aren't such a dumb dog after all. Puts hat on. Oh, cool. It's full of chewed up coffee gum. Whoa, get trekked, boy. Iggy wins. Everyone else drives over in the dune buggy and they're like, Jotaro, it took us like six hours to get here, but we're here now. Let's go. And the last words out of Jotaro's mouth are, Yari, Yari, Dazoo. What does that actually mean? In Like, like you know, we've, this is... The... I mean, I know it's good grief, yeah. but is that the literal translation? I don't know what the literal translation oh, okay. is. okay. All right. Someone knows Expression what the... of annoyed frustration, I guess. Oh, okay. It's probably Exasperation. like... Exasperation. It's probably like, God damn. So this is know. where we originally stopped. And, yeah. yeah. You know, and credits happen. But the thing is, it was a bit weird because there was no to be... Well, con- there was a to be continued, wasn't there? I can't remember. Maybe but maybe anyway, point being, there's a post-credits scene in this episode that we almost missed. Woo! In which there's this little guy... This little guy with like Marge Simpson hair, Mm -hmm. Uh, he's reading his book, uh, which of course we can see is called Oingo Boingo Brothers Adventure. Ooh, Oingo Boingo. And then this obnoxious guy comes up to him and he's like, hey, is that manga? You have manga here in Egypt? I'm from Japan. I'm a manga artist. Can I read your manga? I'll let you eat my snacks and play with my binoculars. And so this kid is like... He he doesn't really speak. He just... They trade. Yeah. And so this Japanese guy, he's reading this really horribly illustrated book. He, he looks at it and he's like, It's so We fun. get it, we yeah. get it. Ongo Bongo is a musical act whose origins escape me, but um, you know, I've heard some of their songs and we will discuss them all next week. Ooh. So he's looking at the book and we clearly see it says in the same shot, uh, Ongo Blingo Brothers Adventures. But then because of, you know, copyright restrictions, he's saying in the subtitles, huh? It says Zenyatta Mondatta Brothers Adventure. (laughs) And it's genius. Which is, of course, an album by the police. What? Zenyatta Mondatta. Yep, yep. And also the name of two characters in Overwatch, one of which is playable. (laughs) And the other one is dead. Yeah, two (laughs) robots. Two robot monks. Ah, such a shame. I don't actually know because I don't play Overwatch, but... Fair enough. Um, There's this guy called Zenyatta and he's all like, gaze into the iris. And then he shoots ball bearings at you. (laughs) He shoots ball bearings. He's got these, like, floaty orbs of metal around his head. and He yeah. throws them at you. Oh, okay. I just thought they were there, like, as part uh, of his character. That's his weapon. Oh! That makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. So this guy, he's like, he's reading this manga, and it's like, I think, oh gosh, I always get their names confused. Um, let's let's say it's Oingo who is the small one. <laughs> okay. For now, Oingo is the small one. You know what? I have the Wikipedia here. I can just check it. <laughs> oh, it's Blingo. Boingo goes the small one. Also, uh, it's, it's worth noticing that this guy's name, according to the Jojo Wiki, is unnamed manga artist. Incredible. Incredible. It's totally Iraqi. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, it has to be. He's He's gone he traveled to He travelled to Egypt. He read a book and died. Yeah, it has to. It's the proxy that we were all waiting for, where he was like, oh, wow, the first time I experienced manga outside of Japan. Wow, it's amazing. Authentic Egyptian manga. <laughs> Incredible. Just like what's written on the tombs. <laughs> <laughs> wow, these... These hieroglyphs are so Japanese and so well made. I'm really, li- I'm really enjoying these uh, stone and wall carvings. Oh man, they're so full color and vivid. <laughs> um, so he's reading it, and it's like Boingo was hanging out in the desert, and this weird guy came up to him and was like, "I'll let you play with my binoculars and eat my snacks if you let me read your manga." He did. It was nice. Turns page. Then that guy died terribly. A, a traffic. A telephone pole pierced his throat. You're like, oh, okay. And he's like, what? this book is weird. Look, from this page on, it's all blank. But what, what what did he say? He said some sort of stupid phrase while he was holding the book and it was glowing purply. Oh, no, that was... Oh, wow, it's so full-coloured and vivid. Yeah, it's so it's, well- it's strangely realistic and vivid. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, at all realistic. It's not even slightly <laughs> realistic. crazy, terrifying caricatures. <laughs> Although I imagine if you're the one who it's about, spoiler alert, it's him. Uh, if, if it's the one that, like... This really speaks to me. Yeah, like, it would be more realistic to you if you're the subject reading it. So you're going, wow, it looks like me. And everyone else would be like, no, not even slightly. I mean, you know, it's the most accurate portrait I've ever seen a magical book to. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best undrawn drawing I've ever seen. The older brother... Oh, I guess I've given away their brothers, if you couldn't guess. <gasps> oh, it's Oingo Boingo Brothers Adventure. So, of course, what? you could probably put My that together. God. Uh, the older brother, Oingo, comes by and he's like, hey, leave him alone. Get out of here, man. Scram, you fucking... And the guy gets scared and goes and gets on his tour bus. Uh, so, I think Boingo then gives him the book. Yeah, Boingo flips through the book and is like, mm. oh, I guess we'll have to get the next bus. We can't do anything about that. Hmm. So then we fade to black Then they're travelling later on the bus And they pass by a A crashed bus Horrific bus accident And we see, as that book depicted That guy dead with his throat impaled on a telephone pole (gasps) Pretty grisly Uh, And I've just got a trivia point here from the Jojo wiki page The 9-11 words and the plane on the background of Thoth were removed What? Let me just pull this up for you Because there's a whole, like jokey conspiracy theory thing about how through some pretty elaborate symbolism this kind of predicted 9-11. <laughs> what? Is this a meme conspiracy by any chance? Kind of but uh it's like a kind of weird coincidence honestly. It's a thing that happened you're like whoa that whoa. In here's the manga image of uh, that prediction. Uh, he died with his neck stuck on a utility pole. Okay. Uh, and the idea is that there's a picture of a plane here that was removed in the anime. Okay. And also he's wearing on his shirt, um, rather than just having the blank shirt, he's wearing this episode, uh, oh. the characters 9 and 1-1. One one. <laughs> okay. And the, the, two, the pillar of his body and the pillar of the telephone pole stand next to each other like two towers. <laughs> just putting it out there. Does that really say 9-1-1? That's what it's intend- intended to say. Is it? Yeah. Why? <laughs> why not? Well, I mean, what what significance See, look, is 9 one There's a more accurate drawing of it. But why 9-1-1? I guess like... Cool numbers. You know, US police numbers? Yeah, maybe. That's bullshit. But I believe it. (laughs) Don't look at that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's just some... (laughs) So, yeah, there's that. Okay, so we predicted 9-11. Uh, In the most obtuse possible way. (laughs) And uh, it's a stand. So whenever Iraqi wants, he... It's a stand that predicts the future. Yeah. And I think that's kind of part of the joke, too. Yep, yep. I mean, to be fair, everyone's died so far, and... We know some of the artists have already died. So who next? What are you talking about? I mean George Michael. Oh right, yeah. Uh, who else? Uh, uh, the guy from Sinead Yeah, the guy from Sinead Yeah. Yep. Prince. Not that we've encountered Prince. Wait, yeah, we encountered Prince. He was a chicken. <laughs> oh yeah, sure, but that yeah. happened afterwards. Yeah, but he's probably dead. Chicken's probably dead by now, or will be dead soon. Ooh, Ooh. Anyway. it be rough. Anyway. It's be a so rough yeah, time. I think that more or less brings us to the end of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, what do you think is going to happen next time? Uh, oh, no, first we do our highlights and lowlights. Ah. So, Nick, what are your highlights and lowlights for this episode? Hmm. I want to say the highlight is Iggy being thrown Certainly. into uh, Gab. Certainly. I was thinking that myself. Yeah. So, it's just the idea of, oh, well, I haven't got much else better to do. Better throw this dog into the enemy. And that perfect baseball pitch. Oh, it's so good. Like you get to see Star Platinum's ripped leg, <laughs> like it is, um, it's like so, it's like a tree trunk, yeah. you know. Oh, and also uh, we forgot to mention after in the quick draw battle, oh, yes. after Star Platinum punches the crap out of um, out of Indul, he clenches his fists by his waists, just screams to high heaven, and then disappears in pure joy. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. That's also a highlight. That's a highlight right there. Lowlights. I want to say the low light would be the weird rationale that was given by Endul where he's like, yeah, you know, I don't fear death, you know? Evil needs an evil saviour. And I was like, what? Really? This is like some elaborate self-justification, man. You should probably just get some therapy. Yeah, I was just sitting there like, really? But This doesn't make a whole lot of sense, though. And <laughs> what might become a recurring low light for oh, me? Oh, no. It's going to go with the, the farting niggy. Oh, okay. All right. That's yeah. a low light for you? Yeah, it doesn't do it for me. But it's so vulgar and humorous. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm just, you know, just pulling a low light because you got to have one, really. Oh, okay. And that's an easy target. Yeah. Although to be fair, good fart jokes are those which are the least expected. It's uh, it's like if you have uh, a fart joke every episode, you're like, oh, there's another fart joke. Great. We, two for two so far. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, but if I, you have, I can't recall a fart joke that's ever done it for me. Hmm. Okay. All right. Bit vulgar for my taste. Oh, all right. I mean, I'm a sophisticated gentleman. You would be the guy on Friday the 13th. Like, I'm like Jonathan Joester. Ooh. No, I was going to say you like the guy on Friday the 13th that's like... Chad. Yeah, Chad. You'd just be like, well, you know what? I only eat the finest of caviar. And if I don't have caviar... Clearly I chew I... the finest of coffee-flavoured chewing gum. If I don't have any, I starve. That's just that simple. Nick, what do you think is going to happen next time in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, mm-hmm. uh, Stardust Crusaders, Part 3, Season 2, Battle in Egypt? Yep. In the episode entitled... Knum's Oingo and Toth's Boingo. Knum's K H N U M. Knum's Oingo and Toth's Boingo. I'm gonna say Oingo Stand is named Knum. Oingo being the older brother. Yep. And Boingo Stand is named Toth. But Toth is the book. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. So then, I mean, that's what you're assuming. Yeah, that's what I'm assuming. Right? Also, it's worth noting that in the in the brief shots we had of him uh, of, of Oingo, his T-shirt was emblazoned with the word Knum. Oh, was it? I assume we're pronouncing that very wrong, but we're just going to have to deal with it. Maybe it's just num. But I don't know. I'll look into it for next time, I guess. What if... What if Oingo doesn't actually have a stand? He's just got a magical future book. No, 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 wait. Oingo's the big guy, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so Boingo's stand is this book. Right. But Oingo doesn't have a stand. And he's just there being like... Then what's num? That's a good question. Maybe there's okay. a weird grammar in all these episodes' title where the um the god has the possess the god who is the stand has yeah. the possessive over the person yeah which isn't something we encountered previously and it kind of weirds me out and I don't really know why it does it but it does so we have to live with it. Hmm. Maybe it's because they're controlled by the god. What if it's not a possessive? What if it's a apostrophe is? <laughs> yeah. Kanum is-, is Oingo and Toth is Boingo. <laughs> <laughs> they're one and the same now, guys. One and the same. Okay, so then. Okay, if it's the book It's of... probably a Japanese grammar thing. Yeah, so then if Toth is the Egyptian god? or it... slash Thoth. Yeah. Although Thoth is more Lovecraftian. Well, uh, you know, Thoth was one of the names that came up in our brief exploration of Geb. That is true. That is true, yeah. So, you got the book of Thoth. Azathoth. Uh, Thoth. The... Yogsothoth. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's good terms. Um... Shugnigrath, the one-eyed, one-thousand-eyed goat with a billion young or whatever. And who could ever forget Cthulhu. Who C- Cthulhu? Can't can't say I'm unfamiliar. Oh, what about Cthulhu? Mm, is that some sort of a uh, goat man? He's he's a big guy. He's uh he's got some squiddings. Oh, he's a he's a Splatoon guy. Yeah, he's sort of like this giant squid kid, you know? Right. <laughs> With wings. Anyway, this is anyway. anyway. <laughs> um, next time, Nick. Yeah. So okay, Kanum. Don't know anything about Kanum, the Egyptian god. Am I allowed to know about the Egyptian god Kanum, since it's right there in the title? I think you've you've got to bring what you, Shit. what you know. Okay. I'm going to go home and look up the Egyptian gods now. Because I could already look up the tarot. Not that you did. Not that I did. But it was kind of obvious with the sun, what the sun might yeah. be. Yeah. But with Egyptian gods, it's a bit more like... I mean, Anchor. we'll hit some of the more obvious ones eventually. Okay, all right. Like Anubis, I hope. Possible. Yeah, maybe. The winged dragon of Ra. Slifer the sky dragon. <laughs> Obelisk the Tormental. Yeah, they, they seem a bit more obvious. Um. Okay, well, I mean, Oingo was a big guy. Yep. Right. So it would stand to reason that maybe he is... Kind of like Jotaro's counterpart. He's like an anti-Jotaro. Because yeah. he's got like the similar hat. Uh, yeah, he well, not does, similar, does. Yeah. He's got the hat thing and the. He's just a big a guy with a big stand. Yeah, you know? he, d- he looks not dissimilar to Jotaro. Yeah, yeah. And he's got a little brother. Like Jotaro has his mum. That doesn't work at all. But, you know, he's got something that he's fighting for maybe. Yeah. So maybe this is like Jotaro's bizarro character. Where yeah, he's sure. like. I need to save my little brother. My stand is just like yours, but it's better. Or is it? Spoiler alert, it's not. You beat me up. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. That that certainly tracks. Um, and meanwhile, the Book of Toth, I think we know what it does already. <laughs> what do you think it does? I think it predicts the future. Ah, uh, So he'll be reading it and he'll be like, Big brother, he's going to kick your leg. <laughs> yeah, basically. And then he can react. Because obviously, well, it might be one of those weird time travel things where the information that you know will happen. Well, that's... I mean, that's in line with kind of what he said, where he was like, reads, yeah. reads book. Well, nothing we can do about that. Yeah, so then if he's mentioned in the book, there's nothing he's going to be able to do about it. Right. So he can't change the book in any way, which would seem a bit weird, because if it says, and Jotaro dies, then Jotaro is going to die. Right, so he can't write the future. He can just read it. Sort of see it, yeah. yeah. But then does that necessarily mean that if he's seeing the future, that it will change. Yeah, you get into questions of whether it's set in stone and also how literal the predictions exactly, are. Exactly, exactly. So I don't know whether it's going to be one of those things where it's like, bro, he's going to kick your leg. And he'll be like, no, he's not. And then he does something to stop him kicking the leg or something. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, it's very fluffy at this point. Until I know how the time travel works, we won't know. So it's in sum, Oingo being a sort of reverse Jotaro. Yep. And Boingo as yet... Unclear future-telling abilities. Yes. Yeah. That seems pretty... And then they'll beat them up somehow. Yeah, they, well, we all know they're going to... Well... Oh and we this, don't know. It is worth pointing out, of course, that this is not a part one. This is just a one-part episode. Oh! Oh! You're right. Maybe they... Unless, of course, the second half just has a different name. Shit. Maybe, like... They'll not beat them up as badly and they'll turn into the whole horse of this Right, arc. and whole horse can just go die in the desert or something. Yeah, more or less. He can go find a new princess. Yeah. That's truly horrifically ugly. Yeah, so maybe they'll just be like cool guys. And they're like, well, why don't we just set aside our differences? We hate you. We'll keep fighting you over and over again. Oh, but now we respect you. Yeah, go exactly. Go get him, Jodoro. And you're like, why did you have to fight me? Because like Kuze in Yakuza 0. Spoiler alert for Yakuza 0. He just He's this boss who you just fight over and over again over the course of the game and he gradually develops a grudging respect for you. <laughs> you know what? I might not be able to beat you, but I can damn well respect you. Basically, yeah. Yeah. I love that shit when it happens though. When They're like, you know what? You're the worst guy I've ever met. God damn if you can't throw it a good It gets to the point balls. where he basically undermines his whole family's operation to take down all the people on your side mm. and just goes there by himself to fight you and he's like, I'm here to fight you. You beat me. Here's what else is going down. Go get him, champ. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they haven't played it yet, they're not true Yakuza fans. Yeah. That's what we're getting from this now. So, shall... Toth, Oingo, reverse Jojo. Great. Excellent. The end. Great predictions. <laughs> well, Nick, I think that brings us to the end of the episode. Oh. As previously, our theme music is Jojo Wave by Nick Ballantyne. <gasps> That's me. Yeah. Anywhere they can listen to more of your content? Uh Well... That is an excellent question. You can go to my Milk Juice SoundCloud. Didn't SoundCloud die recently? It may have. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I think it got resurrected again. Okay. so um, We'll look into that. Yeah. But, I mean, I could just start a Bandcamp where it's just like, name your price kind of thing. Right. We could start a JoJo's World album thing Just On- Bandcamp where it's just all the intros. Ah, uh, we can't resell other people's intros. My intro. All one of the <laughs> intro for name your price dollars. Sure, I might do that. Actually, that's not a bad idea. I won't stop you. All right. <laughs> so yeah, I might make one of those, and then uh, I'll give you the link, and you can put it in the description or something. Yeah, sure. Cool. There you go. Right. I'm glad we could hash that out on there. Whew. Whew. So anyway, in conclusion, don't know yet. Anyway, in conclusion, to be, to be continued. Be continued. Yeah.